This week on the Sportnado, the Cavaliers blow, the Raiders go, and Scottie Pippen says no with Grant and Jonathan. <laughs> What does Scotty Pippen say no to? You're, you're going to find out when we get to, to it. We have to sit around and wait to find out? You know, it's, it's a teaser. You know, I like doing that stuff. Was it, was it like, do you want fries with that? <laughs> and he's like, no. Scotty Pippen says no. No, he says no about something he's else. Like, does a salad cost a dollar extra? Cause it- <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, I'm being sort of took a lot of liberties there to get to him actually saying no. He doesn't actually say no. No, he doesn't. He just has an opinion on a thing. Yeah, but it's sort of like I already used the word go for the Raiders, so I didn't want to use it twice because I'm trying to rhyme over here. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. It makes That's sense. Good. Just a, it's a whole choreography of the words thing. You don't. You wouldn't get it. I don't get I'm not. You just dropped everything. It's fine. It's fine. No one cares. Nobody cares. Good. So uh, this is Sportnado. That's Grant. I'm Jonathan. We're glad to be back on our new Friday edition of Sportnado. Yeah, we're doing Fridays for a while. See how that goes. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. We're just going to see. Just a happy-go-lucky day. Sportnado is a happy-go-lucky podcast, and it should make everybody happy. And if it's Tuesday, most people who have 9 to 5 are like, this day fucking sucks. Right. Yeah. And rather than try and lift them up or anything no. like that, we're, no, we want to get you when you're already thrilled to be done with your, your life. Absolutely. When you're in a good mood, things seem better to you. We want to seem better to you. That's, That's us. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to be judged on the merits here. No, okay? I mean, we've got to play the small edges, man. Yeah. So I actually announced to everybody on Twitter, anyway. Yeah. Everybody is quotes around it. <laughs> it was 45 sure. followers. So <laughs> like, maybe, I think we're up to 50. I don't know. I haven't looked. We follow uh, zero people, which is baller. It is. It's like, we don't care about anything. Yeah. Or any of you. <laughs> <laughs> but I announced, yeah, that uh, we're going to be doing some Friday podcasting on Sportinator from now on. And we had some reactions, which I'll share really quickly with... Sounds with good. I haven't heard any of these. Andrew Morgan, who you may remember, is from New Zealand. Of course. The yep. Kiwi. He is a Kiwi. He says, hmm, that's a dilemma in New Zealand. Listen to it here drunk on Saturday or hungover Sunday. I guess either is good. Hey, that's not a dilemma. That's a happy coincidence. You can listen to it both times yeah. anyway. Why, why limit yourself? Yeah. Andrew Morgan. Of course, he tweeted at the Sportnado as all these people did. That of is course they did. That's where, you, that's where you tweet if you're tweeting ever about yes. anything. Yes. So Jay Recker also responded. He said, the restaurant or the day of the week? Ha, see, it Dot, dot, dot. Was a joke. And wrote NM. Like, never mind. Carry on. <laughs> you know, he's actually onto something there because one of our Sportnado dreams is to do, like, live Sportnado. Or yeah. when it was Drunk Sports, it was really a dream. But we would do, like, a Drunk Sports edition if we could have a bar agree to host Sportnado and we'd have, like, an audience. And they would they would give the Let the Grant Fix-Its from the audience and stuff. Absolutely. We that would, would love fun. to do that. We've actually have had extraordinarily preliminary discussions about it with a venue, but... It's a long way off. It's, yeah, that's not that's like seventy five discussions away. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we we have at least the beginning discussions of it. And Isaac Montessaro says, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Isaac Montessaro, I think it's Montessaro. Says dot 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 because there's not a lot of interesting sports news happening during the weekends. Because I had wrote because we care ah. originally, and he this is so he seems to not believe it's about caring about the people. Well, and loving the people. It's not. <laughs> but, it's right. not, but he's wrong. It's not because there's not a lot of interesting sports news on the weekend. No, that's not it. Of course there's interesting sports news on the weekend, man. It's a 24-hour news cycle. There's come, always something. Come on. Watch CNN, bro. Things are always happening. There's a ticker. There, yeah. The ESPN has had a ticker forever. Yeah. Everyone got into the ticker uh, you know, back in the, uh, the original uh, 
Gulf War. It's That's the, when uh, CNN started it. It's the uh, they've reallocated the word ticker. It used to mean heart. You know, if you're like an old guy, you'd be like, ah, the ticker. Ticker's acting up today. Now, <laughs> now you're talking about the scroll at the bottom of ESPN or CNN or Fox News or one of those things. Yeah, yeah you're totally right about that, and that's pretty good. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're clearly distracted right now. <laughs> you're, you're totally right about that, and that's uh, and that's pretty good. <laughs> you're right. I wasn't listening at all. I was realizing that there are even more tweets responding about oh, okay. reacting to our Friday thing. So I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. I'm yeah, you were in a different world. There. That was Sorry such a bad that. Bad <laughs> response. <laughs> <laughs> what were you actually saying? Because I wasn't listening. It doesn't matter. Continue. You're right. And everyone else already heard it. Yeah. So I'm sure what Grant said was delightful. Patrick Schwartz55 on Twitter says, works for me. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. We'll try. Steve at Slurpee387. That's the Steve. Yeah, that's your Steve. He wrote two words, but it's important how the first one is spelled. The first okay. one is more, but he spelled it M-O-A-R. Okay. More drinking, he wrote. <laughs> so that's pretty strong. <laughs> that is pretty strong. Yeah, I, feel, I feel good about that one yeah. for sure. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. This is from uh, – actually, no, this is also from this most recent show that we put out. Mark Testart got a little testy oh, did on he? Twitter. Just a little. He got testy? But you know, because we had said, um, yeah, that's just kind of why I went there. Yeah, he said we had said that you know he's Australian, so he likes the show just because he likes the show, not because of the sports. He wrote, "I'm a huge basketball fan. <laughs> there are several great Aussie players in the NBA: Bogut, Patty Mills, Aaron Baines, Joe Ingles, and of course the most exciting NBA Aussie, Ben Simmons. Keep up the good work." P.S. Luke Longley was also successful. B.I.T.D., which is of course back in the day. Well, I don't think Mark I think Mark Testart misinterpreted what we said because I remember I was the one who said it. I knew he was Australian because he's a quality fan of multiple things that we do. Right. That um, makes him Australian for sure. Yes, that, that's why. <laughs> but what I had said was that I um I'm happy that he listens because I assume the NFL is not big in Australia, but the NBA probably is. That's what I had said. I think if we would check the tape, that wouldn't be how it came out. You were uh, you want you want to make a bet on if I said that that oh, way? Oh god, I don't want to make a bet. Because I will bet up to $100 on really? this. Really? You're yeah. that sure? Yeah. Oh, and now I really want to make a bet. But my hand's out, people. It seems, it seems like he's not, <laughs> he, his hand's in his pocket. It seems he's like not, a, he's not taking the hand out. You seem too sure for me to yeah. mess around. Maybe I'm the one who said the thing about uh, basketball and you brought up football. Maybe that's what it was. But but to, collectively, we didn't just say the NFL. We also said you probably know about the NBA either. I didn't, I didn't say that. Okay. I said collectively. I don't think we either said that. Yeah, I kind of think we uh, did. Well, also, maybe, don't you think so since he came out and said, I love basketball. Maybe, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I'm you guessing think? you were the dick. You were the one who was the dick. Well, I, you know. Sometimes I'm that guy. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, I would like to say, since I'm the dick anyway, those players that he named, those are the, quote, great basketball players of Australia. Isn't Dante Exum also from Australia? He is, actually. Yeah, nice he didn't job. even mention Dante Exum. What the heck, man? You're mentioning Joe Ingles, but not Dante Exum. <laughs> sure, that makes perfect sense. Aren't they both on the Jazz anyway? No. Yeah. Who's Ingles on? Ing- Wait. Ingles is on the Jazz. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, maybe he is. Yeah. Three-point shooter extraordinaire, Joe Ingles. Yeah. He was leading the league in threes, three-point shooting, at least uh, somewhat recently. I don't know if he still is. Anywho, yeah. why don't we move on, shall let's, we? Let's, start, let's go to the headline story. Okay, so folks, just in case you're new to the show, we break this puppy down into four quarters. We do our headliners. Then we've got an NBA section, an NFL section. We always end on Let the Grant Fix It, where I post sports dilemmas to Grant Dennison over there, and he does his best to come up with fun and creative fixes. Yeah. Let's get to quarter number one. Okay. All right. So, Grant... I think I said this already. The Cavs blow, bro. Well, yeah. The Cavs suck. <laughs> yes. What the heck is going on in Cleveland? Let me give you some numbers. All right. You may say to yourself, well, I mean, how bad could it really be? They've got, they've got the championship 
still sitting in uh, in Cleveland over there. They got LeBron freaking James, who's having a great year statistically. Yeah. Kyrie and Kevin Love are both healthy. They're playing. What's the problem? Here's the problem, bro. Okay. They're a half game out of first now in the East. The Celtics have somehow passed them. Yeah. They're two and five in their last seven, six and ten in March. It's their it's LeBron's first double digit losing month since November of 2003, which was the first month he ever played in the NBA. Wow. On the terrible Cavs team that was actually worthy of the number one overall pick. You know, they were that bad. Yeah. Uh, it's that they are also since the All Star break, according to Heraldus Vulgaris, who I would never ever contradict the second-worst defensive team in the league since then, the All-Star. After the Lakers, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. What the heck is going on? I have no idea. There's some... It's one of those, like... uh, It's like the umami flavor of what's going on in basketball. You know, umami flavor in palate is like this kind of nondescript thing that's hard to define. Sure. So something like that's going on with the Cavs because they still have those three guys and they're all healthy. Like, what the hell's going on? Like, LeBron James, 26 points, 8.8 assists, 8.4 rebounds. In most years, that's the MVP, no doubt about Kyrie it. Kyrie Irving, 25.2, 5.7 assists, 3.3 rebounds. Yeah, Kevin an incredible one on one. Kevin Love, 19 points, 11 rebounds. Like, you have those three guys in the same team. It's bizarre. How can they have a losing team? They can't stop anybody. That's how. Yeah. Those are really cool numbers. They can't stop anyone. Right. I guess Love and Kyrie both are bad at defense. That doesn't help. Yep. I mean, Horalbus was saying this last season during the regular season that he thought the Cavs were better with Della Vadova and Channing Fry on the floor, actually, than those wow. two guys, which is crazy. That it is, sounds like. That's, that sounds crazy. But I would never contradict Horalbus Vulgaris. We know that. So I'm just going to say it's not crazy. And he knows what he's talking about. Della Vadova played better defense. And actually also doesn't dominate the ball the way Kyrie does, which sort of hurts LeBron. LeBron kind of yeah. needs to dominate the ball. Yeah. And honestly, Love needs to dominate the ball, too. He just doesn't. And right. it becomes more of a Channing Frye type player. They don't really take advantage of Love's skill set. But he still gets 11 rebounds a game, so it shouldn't matter, right? He might, he might not. Uh, Herobus might not say that this year about Love versus Fry, at least. Because That's true. Love had a very down year last year. And this year, he's averaging 19 and 11. I don't think Fry is capable of that. I don't think he is either. I don't think Fry, is, Fry would get, if he was playing those kinds of minutes, like six and a half rebounds a game or something, yeah. right? So, yeah, Love's got him there. Um, but still, Fry probably is a better defensive player than Love. And Maybe. You know, I don't know. It's weird. So the Cavs blow yeah at least for right now and this brings up the real question right i don't think the question is can the Cavs win the title anymore the question is can the Cavs get out of the east legitimately they can't beat anyone they're six and ten in their last 16 and they're trying to win it's hard to bet against them you know like the way lebron seems to be able to turn it on in the big moments makes it because we have a history of that we have a history of him just beating people he's not supposed to beat and that's just what he does. I'm not. He, maybe he's not capable of it this year. I don't know. But it feels like if I were going to pick one team for the East, I would still pick the Cavs. I think you have to. I agree. But let's let's try and uh, find a way to quantify how they've changed in our minds. Because while I would pick them, before I would have said it's a no-brainer, whatever. I don't care how good the Celtics are doing or the Wizards or the yeah. Raptors. The Cavs are coming out of the East, and that's that. That's what I would have said. I'd right. say it's like 90% or so, 95%, unless barring injury. Well, that, I would have said that, that has to Cavs. be too high, even then. Of course. Yeah. I, but I'm saying, like, that's yeah. how I felt about it. Right. You know? And how do, I, how do we feel now? What would you have... Well, okay, if we're trying to actually come up with a legit percentage, what would you have said? I probably would have said 50%. 50? Oh, I would have said much higher. To come that. out... Of the East. Before? Yeah, that's what I would have said. Did you say it's... before, like at the beginning of the season? No, like two months ago. Okay, when they were the clear number one seed. Yeah, I, I just think it's I... it's hard to predict. I mean, with the it's a little different with the Warriors because they're so good. The Cavs aren't like 
super hyper elite like the Warriors are. I mean, Le- LeBron's gone to six straight finals. Yeah. He's clearly the best player in the world. Maybe 50 is low. Maybe I would have said 60, but I don't think yeah. I would have gone higher than 60. I would have gone higher for sure. I would have probably said 80, barring injury. Now I'm going to say 35, which wow. is probably still which would still the highest among Eastern Conference teams. Yeah. You know, but that's that's what I'd give him. I would drop it pro- mine probably down to like... 50%. So I still think they're the pretty big favorites ultimately, but there's only a few teams that have a chance. It's them or the Raptors with a healthy Kyle Lowry, which is questionable. The Celtics somehow. The Wizards. Or the Wizards. That's it, right? No one else has a chance. Could the Milwaukee Bucks go nuts? No. Could the Miami Heat go nuts? No. They can't. You just say no? They okay. can't. Those they, they can't get through all of those teams. Those teams, The Milwaukee Bucks and Miami Heat, maybe in a year or two, maybe. The Heat are also a team without a whole lot of talent. They're just coached really well. There's no way that's going to work it for them in the playoffs over the long yeah, haul. Maybe they're, not. They're playing. I mean, Eric Spolster has got to be, should be in the discussion anyway for Coach of the Year, considering they were 11 and 30. All right, we're talking percentages. What percentage do you give the Miami Heat to get to the finals? To get to the finals, yeah. I would give them. Taking into account injuries and everything, I would say they get to the finals probably 7% of the time. Maybe that's high. That might be high. That seems fair to me. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was playing with 4%, but I bumped it up because of injuries. Do you think Bucks are similar? That's a good question. I think the Bucks are worse off than the Heat for that. For what reason? Lower. Um, the Heat have won something like 80% of their games for the last like 45 games. That's elite level. The Bucks haven't done anything like that. The Bucks are playing better, but they're not playing anything like that. They're playing pretty well. They're playing pretty well, right? But yeah. that for them, that's winning like 63% of their games. That's but you made well. the talent argument, and I would argue that the Bucks certainly have more talent. No question about it. But somehow the Heat are finding ways to win games, and the Bucks, even with all this talent, are still like at 500 for the season. Like They're above 500 now. Barely, if they are. Like It's not that exciting. Yeah. It's not like, oh my gosh, the Bucks are in town. I mean, they just went to Boston and won a very tight game the other day. Two days ago. They also went to Portland and won, which I know Portland is not over 500, but Portland is 15-5 and five since they got Nurkic, mm-hmm. and the Bucks are one of the five teams that beat them, and they beat them in Portland. I mean, that's cool. That's pretty good, but I don't think the Bucks have a legit shot. Do you? What percentage chance do you have for them to get I, to the finals? I think both the Heat and Bucks are the same, and I think it's somewhere between 5 and 7%. Okay. I would put the Bucks at like 4 or 5%, the Heat at like 7%. Let's see, that's 12% for me. I was giving the Cavs how much? 50? That gets me to 62. I'll give the Celtics... Can I give them as much as 20%? I guess if they're the number one seed in the East, they can give as much as 20%. That gets me to 82, and I split the remaining 9% among... or 18% among the other teams, mostly going to Toronto and Washington. Okay. Something like that. I'm, obviously, I'd fuck with, mess with those numbers a little bit. You can say fuck on this I know, podcast. I forgot. You I can't said say it, it on and the I other took part. it back, and then I was like, it's okay. Yeah. It feels so- good. Uh, do you have any alternate theories as to why the Cavs are failing? Yes. Besides just things are bad. Yes. <laughs> okay. I do. Ty Lu is not a good coach. I don't know. I'm not saying this as a declaration. I'm saying this is an alternate theory. So how would that be different from when they were winning then? Well, when they were when he took over, they were like 41 and seven or something like that last year. They cruised to the in the regular season. Yeah. It was no problem. Uh, the teams weren't as good in the East anyway. And LeBron just was LeBron in, in the playoffs and made sure they didn't lose. And you give LeBron most of the credit for that. That would yeah. be the way to do it. But then a fair question would be, well, why can't we put it all on LeBron this year then too? Yeah. Right? There's no way to really know what's up with Ty Lue. They don't have much of a bench at all. But um, 
that would be an easy. That's sort of an easy finger to point when you don't know why something isn't working. You can just blame the coach and say, "Well, the that's rotations." What the, that's are bad. what the GM does, right? I mean, so the GM doesn't get fired; they sure. fire the coach, and then the then the GM gets fired. I mean, it's a weird spot for the Cavs because they actually have to make a decision no matter what happens this year. I mean, if they win the title, I guess they don't, but they have to make a decision if Tyloo is actually up for this. Because if he isn't, they need to get a new coach in right away because this is the end of LeBron's window. There still yeah. is time, but this is the end. It would be it would be a terrible thing to waste it. Now, they won last year, so I assume yeah. Tyloo's got enough chops for it to be fine, right? Or that that's yeah. all he needs to do. He can do enough. They beat the Warriors. They it was in the, one of the great comebacks of all time. One yeah. of the great series of all time. Yeah. So you think that would be fine, but what the heck is going on? I have another theory. Good. All right. So this theory is based on the Illuminati existing, which most theories are. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. So the Tentacles of the Octopus. Go. Yeah. Let's remember that Around when the Cavs start having these problems is when Kyrie Irving espoused his flat earth theory. That's about right. Kyrie Irving, if for those of you who didn't listen to the, the podcast from, I don't know, a month ago or so, whenever we did the fix for that one, or haven't been reading about this, Kyrie Irving seems to genuinely believe the earth is flat. Yeah, as somehow many other people do as well. Yeah, the whole flat earther thing is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. If you're a flat earther and you're offended, fuck off. I don't care. Like, Yeah, we just, we just don't feel any sympathy for you. And we're, yeah. we hope you continue to listen, but we're willing to lose you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how it is. It's just too ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so here's the theory, though. The flat earth theory is actually the truth. Like, it's for real, and the Illuminati have been trying to... It's like, oh, there's a bunch of crackpots who say it. But now famous people are saying it, and that's not okay. And the Illuminati are slowly poisoning all of the calves to ruin Kyrie Irving's life because you have to take down the rat, the one who, who speaks the truth. He, got invi- he gets invited to one Illuminati meeting. He's like, all right, Kyrie Irving, now that you've won the championship, you're famous enough to be part of this Illuminati meeting. Come on in. And they tell him about the flat earth and how it's true. They show him, you know, photos. Yeah, and, and all the like evidence that. that we don't get. The we, ice wall. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And he's like, oh, holy shit. And they're like, you can't tell anybody, Kyrie, though. Like, you, you might not understand it because you're, like, very low-level Illuminati right now. You have to get to, like, level five before we tell you the reason that we don't tell anybody the facts behind the right. flat earth theory. Because we have this whole Illuminati plan. It's a big deal. Right, this is a big good plan, and it's going to net us the Illuminati a lot of money. And then Kyrie Irving goes on some fucking podcast, and is like, "Uh, the Earth's flat," and the Illuminatis are listening, and they're like, "Fuck, Kyrie, what the hell?" All right, get the poison. Okay, so a few things. Number one, am I to believe that somehow the Illuminati doesn't know that Kai Kai can't keep a secret because Kai Kai <laughs> Kai Kai can't keep a secret? Come on, that's number one. Number two, I mean, maybe the new Illuminati recruiter is not as good at vetting as the old one. Okay, you know what? Maybe the old one got poisoned for something he did. Yeah, and they're like, we let's give Joe a shot. Yeah, and Joe didn't work out. Right, and now he's dead too. Of course he is. Um, but here's my other question: It's a weird theory in that they're poisoning all of the calves. Like you're saying, ruin Kyrie's life by poisoning all the calves. His life is great anyway. Do you claim to understand the machinations of the Illuminati? <laughs> you are claiming to. I'm saying that's what's happening. I, right. That's what I'm, 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 I don't say I know why they're doing it i'm just saying that they are doing i'm saying i don't i think they would either just poison him or kill him and his family these are obvious choices if you want to ruin his life those are listen listen to yourself those are obvious choices (laughs) when's the last time you ever heard of the illuminati doing the obvious they brought in Kyrie after he won the title that's pretty normal 
<laughs> is it? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? So there. Okay. I'm just saying, like, if you want to, like, oh, we ruined Kyrie's life because, oh, they lost in the second round and he only makes $25 million a year and is super famous and his life it's is It's all so about the bad. subtle jabs. It's death by a thousand cuts, buddy. Yeah. Well, a thousand cuts would be more effective than slowly poisoning all the calves to ruin That's Kyrie's cut life. number one, dude. The slow I'm poisoning is actual, cut number one. actual thousand cuts. Yeah, would that would suck. Effective. Yeah, that would I don't want to I don't want to go I mean, that. really, do we need a thousand anyway? Even even I mean, cuts. it's just a hyperbolic title. I'd like to ask our resident scientists out there, and I know there's a few of them now. Could of like how many cuts does it take? Let's say they're very small cuts, but how many cuts would it take? I mean, you to have kill to describe the depth of the cut, the the status of the weapon. Yeah, that's on the scientists. Okay, I'm just a guy <laughs> in front of a microphone. I don't know these things. That's on the science people. I'm just a guy in front of a microphone talking to a girl in front exactly. of exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you want to say about the Cavs? Uh, no, but I think it's clear the Illuminati are part of it. I want to say I expect the Cavs to come out of the East ultimately, but this is delicious, and I'm so glad. Uh, because you're a Celtics fan. We get it. Oh, I'm so glad to see the pain. It's great. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. It's quarter number two, and it's time to talk a little National Football League. Yeah, we're going to find a way, even though not much going on in the National Football League. Well, there are some things happening in the National Football League, Grant. All right. They just had a big owners meeting, made some votes, made some decisions about stuff. Who won? Um, the owners won. Oh, yeah, they always do. Seems like it. They, they won because they make a lot of money and going to keep making a lot of money. Yeah. They made a lot of decisions about replay and things like that, which we're not going to talk about here. They're subtle. Who really cares who makes the decision on replay? Congratulations, Dean Blandino, who's the head of the refs. Let's talk about a more interesting thing, which is the NFL owners voted 31-1 to 1 to allow the Raiders to move to Las Vegas. Whoop! Viva Las Raiders. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. They don't get there until 2020, dude. It's a long time. They're getting a $2 billion stadium. $1.9 billion, actually. 65,000 seats. And that is the heart of the matter, by the way. Whenever a team moves, it's not because some, I mean, I think maybe with the Seattle to OKC move, it was partially the stadium, but partially that the new owner was from Oklahoma City and wanted to move the team to Oklahoma City. Right. But usually it's not that. It's usually that the city that the team is currently in won't pay for a new stadium or help pay for a new stadium. And the team wants a new stadium because their stadium sucks. And the Raiders stadium is the stone nut low worst stadium in the world, maybe. I mean, maybe not in the world, but like in the U.S. It's pretty bad. Yeah. We can say that. The thing that's crazy is that, and we see this all the time, of course, that cities still ultimately fall over themselves to build stadiums for these NFL teams. And so that's why we see teams moving around. And with the growing wealth gap in America, a lot of the owners can pay for the stadiums themselves without any help from the city. Or how about the owners in the NFL? The NFL could help too. Like if the NFL was actually paying for it and the owners were paying for it, we'd see a lot less new stadiums, right? Right. Because they'd be like, you know what? We're good for another 10 years. We don't actually need to replace this thing. It's only been 20 years or 30 years. Although in the Raiders case, they kind of do need to replace that thing. That's fine. But they could build something in Oakland if they wanted to. Yeah. And, you know... With minimal help from the city or no help from the city, right? They absolutely could. They just choose not to because they don't have to. Right. And honestly, if you can extort a city or try to extort a city or some other city is going to offer you $2 billion effectively, yeah. why wouldn't you let them do that? You know, go ahead. Pay my way. Sounds good to me, right? All right. So question number one. Here we go. Why did the owner, owners vote so favorably for this move? What, what is the reason behind that? Um, I think there's two obvious reasons. Okay. Uh, number one, they all get a sizable payday, huge payday when these things happen. There's relocation costs. The Raiders pay a fee to ah. all of the teams. So they all, do, they all make something like $3 bucks or something like that cool. just for saying yes. All right. So 
it's really easy to say yes, number yeah. one. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers exist in that market already. Yep, I was thinking about that. And there's no one in Las Vegas market. And Las Vegas market looks like it's happening now. There's going to be the Golden Knights of Las Vegas, the hockey team. Right. It's going to be starting up really soon. Although they may be a little unhappy to know that by the time they're good to go, the Raiders will be there and they will no longer be the big sports attraction already. Right. <laughs> like, that sucks for yeah. them. The NHL was like, we're going to have this incredible city all to ourselves. Well, maybe maybe pick another city. Guys. Maybe pick <laughs> yeah. Vancouver. I don't know. Vancouver. The Canucks. Yeah, they are. have a second team in Vancouver. Okay. That's what I'm suggesting. So um, those are the two obvious reasons I can, I can think of. How about you? Can you think of anything? No, that's those are my main reason in my mind was the crowding of California, essentially. There's yeah. like so many NFL teams in California already that it's good for the NFL to expand their geographical reach to a place that doesn't have any NFL teams. It is weird, though, right? They go from zero teams in L.A. and two teams in the Bay Area to one team in the Bay Area, two teams in L.A. Yeah. And within like a few years of each other. Yeah, things are moving around. Yeah, and there was nothing that sort of happened beyond just teams trying to hold their cities hostage right. for better stadium deals. San Diego, yep. uh, the Rams, and of course the Raiders now. So Very what odd. does this mean for... This is an interesting thing because I think it could be argued and is pro- probably should be argued that Las Vegas is the biggest party city in the U.S., it's hard to argue that. I think I think we should either go with that. Las Vegas or New Orleans. Maybe it's got to be Las Vegas. Yeah, it probably is. So, what does that mean for the players who play in Las Vegas? What they're distracted by? Like players already have a ton of distractions and visiting teams. Right. Like uh, in ba- Miami is a big party city, for example. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. and in, in basketball, there's a thing where players are often hung over because, you know, NBA players drink during the season. A lot of them do. And of course. They go out, they party, they get hammered. You'd know about that, wouldn't you? Drinking while on your while you're working, yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, so so anytime you hear on an NBA broadcast of uh, players feeling under the weather, it's almost entirely a hangover, almost every time. Um, and in Miami, it happens with like such great frequency for visiting teams compared to any other city. It's a great home court advantage for the yeah. Heat, really. And maybe it'll actually be a home court advantage for the Raiders, right? In their own way, or home field advantage for the Raiders, because everyone's going to want to get their gamble on for right. sure, right? There's no way people are not going to go out to the Aria or the Palms or wherever and get you know, the VIP Aria. treatment because they're in the NFL. They're superstars. They're rich. They got a bunch of money. Like, There's hot chicks everywhere throwing themselves at you. I mean, I know that's sort of normal anyway, but in Vegas, it's like times 11. You know? Right. And then there's all this gambling available to you. And, you know, these guys don't know how to manage money. Like some guy's going to lose a million dollars in a night and not play well the next day. Yeah. But there's that on top of all of the hangovers, right. you know? So, so that's definitely all in play. The other thing that's weird that's sort of in play is Las Vegas is a gambling culture. Yeah. So the people who live there... Um, and don't like work there. I mean, they work there, of course, but people who didn't like move there, but sort of grew up there or sort of live on the outskirts of town, even they are affected by the gambling culture. There's slot machines everywhere. Right. There's sort of local casinos for locals and local casinos for sort of everybody else. And local casinos go to their own casinos, you know. Right. But they all still gamble, you know. Like, not all of them, but no, obviously. No, of course. But, that's, but like, that's ridiculous. A but, really high percentage of yeah. these people gamble because they choose to live in Las Vegas, ultimately, right? They don't yeah. have to live there. They do. And there's not a whole lot else going on in Vegas, even though there are a million shows and things like that. It's a big desert. There's nowhere to go. Their industry is clearly gambling. Right. I mean, yeah. sure, there's some, you know, I guess there's strip clubs and gambling and alcohol and clubs in general. So right? will the stadium also be a casino? I can't see it not being a casino. I don't think the NFL will allow that. Oh, really? Yeah. The NFL, you know, as of just a few years ago, Roger Goodell said like three or four years ago in an interview that gambling was the number one concern of the NFL. Obviously, that was a lie because it's player safety. That's that's like the political tactic of of trying to like 
take some social cause and saying that's the biggest cause where the like this is what you have like to say is like the Koch brothers like to make some big social cause be part of an election when really they're just trying to distract everybody from the growing wealth gap. Sure. Right. So that's kind of what Roger Goodell was doing there for sure. He's trying to distract everybody from concussions and painkillers and shit. Right. And now that and it's actually kind of cool now that player safety has become the number one quotes concern of the NFL end quote, they may be using that to try and distract everyone from the fact that gambling, I repeat gambling is going on in this establishment yeah. in Las Vegas because like, this is going to be a problem in some ways, right? There's, yeah. going to be th- there's going to be some fallout from this eventually. Maybe it'll take a little while. Well, it's, we know it's going to take at least a few years because the Raiders don't even move in to their Vegas abode until 2020, Grant. Yeah, so next question. Um, before yeah. that, I just want to say about them not making the stadium a casino. Okay. That's a huge lost opportunity. So much money to be made. Yeah, I'm sure they, they actually are probably very upset that yeah. they can't do that, but I'm sure they can't. Yeah. Like, I'm but sure the NFL would never allow God, that. it would be so profitable. Yes. All right. Yes, anyway, it'd be amazing. Um, next question: What is it like to be a Raiders fan right now? Yeah, because I'm not one. You're not one. We actually have some Raiders fan fan friends. We'll ask them later. Uh, but they don't live in LA no. anymore, so it's a little different. You too, mean right? Oakland? Oakland. Yes. Right. Sorry, the Bay Area anymore. Right. Yeah. So it may. So from their point of view, their experience of it, it may not be that different. Although they may still feel betrayed. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. But it's weird because the team still it's a good the weird part is that it's a good team now and you have this young yeah. superstar quarterback who's just getting better and you have a good young team you have the team has a future yeah. right and but you know that it's gone in 3 years it's just going to leave well here's the thing it's not 3 years it's 2 years because they're playing they're currently the raiders have the option to stay in oakland for two more years but they don't have contractually that last season locked ah. up and in fact i have this quote right here um, executive director of the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum Authority, Scott McKibben, said it is unlikely they'll be welcomed back in 2019. He said, and I quote, I would say to you with the highest level of confidence, my opinion and recommendation and that of my board members, I don't believe there is any appetite for a third season in Oakland. Wow. So he's saying, good luck, but you can't stay here. You know, you don't have to go home. Right. You can't stay here. So. It's a weird spot, I think, for everyone now. Like as a as a fan who yeah. lives in the Bay Area of of the Raiders, do you still go to the games? It's two more years they're going to play there, but you know they're leaving. Right? What the heck? Yeah, I mean, i for if it feel it must feel weird. Like if I, for example, if I find a like a TV show that I really like, and I'm getting towards the last season of it, yeah, it always takes me a lot longer to watch the last season than the other seasons because it's kind of sad because mm-hmm. it's like oh it's going to end and there's I'm not going to have this show to watch anymore, yeah, and that kind of sucks. So as a Raiders fan, I would kind of feel like I don't know if I want to go to the game. It's just going to remind me that they're leaving. It like, right. feels shitty. Yeah, and it's know? not exactly like a TV show because the TV show didn't like leave you for another network that you don't have like <laughs> access to. Right, you know, right. so the TV show's ending because it's ending because the story's ending or you know not enough people watch it or whatever. You know, Brian Cranston wants to do movies, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but this is different. This is the Raiders just saying, "Screw you, Oakland. We can do better somewhere else." Yeah, you know, like I found a younger, cuter city, and I'm right. going with her. You know. Yep. That's kind of what it's so, uh, yeah. As, so I don't know how do you how are you supposed to like are the games still going to be sold out? Yeah, I don't know. Like I'm just imagining. I'm trying to imagine. Like I'm a we're in Portland. I'm a Trailblazers fan. Yeah. For those who don't know, I'm trying to imagine if they move to Seattle 
and like, but it wasn't going to happen for two years. How I would feel about watching the games on TV and going to the games and stuff, which I do very frequently right now. Yeah. But if that, if I knew that in the back of my mind with this young up and coming team that's going to be good for a while, seems brutal. It's like, oh, this just, it just kind of hurts. It's like a sting every time. Usually, teams when they leave, they leave right away if they can. Yeah. Like I'm reminded of when Cleveland left Cleveland. Remember the Browns were no more and went yeah. to Baltimore, and they left in the middle of the night. Right. They just packed up the trucks and left, and no one knew it was happening, and then it was over. That's kind of awesome. Right. I mean, people people thought they might be leaving. There was right. some stuff, but, like, bam, they were just gone. Yeah. You know, and it all happened in, at the end of the last that their last season there, as opposed to, you know, a few years from now we're going to leave you. It's just yeah. a really strange situation. Also, if the Raiders are good, as it looks like they might be, if the Raiders are 12-4 and four next year, are people just not going to go to the games? I think they're probably going to go to the games. Yeah, I mean, they're they're one of the better teams in the NFL right now. The other thing is, if you live in San Francisco or the Air, the Bay Area, you can drive to Vegas if you really want to. It's not Man, close, but that's, it's not... Uh, that's a long drive, dude. It's what? Is it like nine hours, eight hours? So at least that. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, people do this stuff like that. Right. You could fly. These, a lot of people in Silicon Valley have money. But you could also just decide to love the 49ers, I guess, right? I mean, I could also drive to Seattle in three hours from Portland if, if the Blazers moved to Seattle, but I wouldn't do it. Right. I would that's be a good pissed, point. I'd be pissed off. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Even if that was all your favorite players, you'd just be like, you're done with them, you think? I don't know if I'd be done with them, but it's, it would just be a completely different feeling. Yeah. You know? Like, the ability to just decide one day that there's a game going, I can get tickets and go to the game, that's something, it's like part of the community, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's it's not, I'm not a fan because of the players, necessarily, even though I like the players on the Blazers, and it, it just so happens to be that way, although, of course, I'm biased. But on top of it, like, I live, you know, 15 minutes from the Blazers Stadium, and I can go there whenever I want, and it's, like, something I can do with my friends all the time, and we do, and it's fun. Yeah. And it's part of, like, my life and my community aspect of Portland, right? And yeah, And a lot of people have that with the Raiders, I'm sure, in the Bay Area. Well, when the Hyperloop, though, from Portland to Seattle comes <laughs> up in 15 minutes, maybe it's no yeah, problem. Yeah, maybe then changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, no, I totally hear you. It's... I just feel like anytime you get jilted by a professional team just for money, a, a team that's making huge money anyway, yeah. it's like fuck you, man. Right. Like I, I would take almost all of my, uh, like my fuel for the team. Like it would just deplete it. Right. You know, I'd be like, just not like I don't care anymore. Like, yeah. Like I'm done. Like it reminds me of when the Tom Brady. Yeah, what, the yeah. For a go ahead, Tom. In Brady, 2008, what? after they had lost, they had the perfect season, but then lost at the end to the Giants in in the Super Bowl, and the beginning of next season. Brady got hurt in the first like five minutes of the first half anyway of game one and was out for the season. And I sort of almost felt like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm just like, I put so much in the last season. I don't, I don't even have any reserves. <laughs> it's not really a good, a good parallel, but I'm, I'm sticking with it. I understand. Yeah. You know, it was like so much was riding on the last thing. It's like, I don't have anything left, you know? And I feel like that's how I would feel if, if like my team left my city, you know? And they're going to be here for two more years and you just know they're about to right. leave. Right. They're just yeah. like, stick it in your face. It's yeah. like, you know, like, why you got to move next door to me with your with your rich new husband driving that cool car, lady? Like, you know, move. move now. <laughs> I don't need to see that. Don't yeah. put it in my face, you know? Yeah. How bizarre. Anyway, that's why I feel for Raiders fans. Yeah, me especially, too. Especially those who live in the Bay Area. Finally, your team is good again. Yeah. They're, they're taking off. Right. So I'm sorry, people. Like, what if they win a title in the next two years? How weird is that going to be? It's going to be weird. Yay! If the Raiders win the you, Super Bowl, th- yay. if the Raiders win the Super Bowl this year, that would be really weird. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on that on that note of weirdness, were you going to say something? Nope. Okay. Well, let's take a break. We'll go to halftime. We'll come back, talk some more National Basketball Association. It is time for the third quarter. We're going to break open a six-pack of some National Basketball Association. Okay. <laughs> Crack it right open. Yeah. 
That's what we're doing. Smash it on the floor till till the liquid comes out. Yeah, that's right. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Get that nectar. That right. National Basketball <laughs> Association nectar. That's what we're gonna do. All right. So Scotty Pippen. We may have you may remember I mentioned before he said no. Yeah, he he said no. He probably to, has said no. He didn't want fries with that. <laughs> In his life he said no. He was asked recently, actually on ESPN's The Jump, uh where the blame rested for the New York Knicks and their plight and how bad they've been. And he said, and I quote, to be honest with you, I'm going to have to go with my old coach, Phil Jackson. I just think he hasn't put the right pieces on the floor. I give a lot of credit to Carmelo, who's been very professional. And now he's being benched to some degree. They've taken a lot of his minutes away. But this team just hasn't had it. They haven't had it since Phil Jackson landed there. Finally asked if he should be pushed out of a job, Phil Jackson. Pippen replied, yes. Yeah, so maybe maybe Scotty said yes, not no. In this maybe case. he did, yeah. Yeah. But Scotty does know and he knows that Phil Jackson is nice. nice. Not doing a good job in New York City. Give, or, let's hear them records for the Phil Jackson New York Knicks since Phil Jackson took over as GM. Well, let me give them to you, buddy. So All he right. took over at the end of the uh, 2013 season, but or 2014 season, excuse me. Um so first season 17 and 65. Now they were terrible. Yeah. In fairness, right? They had nothing except Bad, bad record. They had Carmelo and nothing else, right? Then they were 32-50 and 50 last year. That's not very good. Bad, bad record. Um, and then this year, they're currently 28-47. and 47. It's a bad record. It's not. It's, <laughs> those are all bad records. Uh, Tom Dolan. James Dolan, excuse me. James Dolan. James Dolan, the The, uh, the guy who accuses everybody of being an alcoholic. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Charles Oakley, in particular, has said he will honor Phil's five-year contract, meaning two more years if Phil Jackson's the GM. What do we think about this? Number one, is it really Phil's fault? And two, what should be done if it is or isn't? I don't know if it's Phil's fault, but Phil's been a real dick in his tenure as New York Knicks. <laughs> Why do you like, say he's that? He's like said a bunch of different stuff about the players and things that he probably shouldn't be saying as the GM. He always did this as a coach, too. Yeah. Though. Always. This is how he motivated people. I guess that's that worked for him as a coach, but... I think he's probably just not capable of being a GM. He's trying to take his coach skills and be a GM, and it's a different job. Um... That could be true. I mean, I don't know why originally he was even given the job. He has one of the great resumes of all time, coaching yeah, resumes of all certainly. time, and no GM experience, right? Right. Now, I guess you could argue as a coach, he has a lot of player evaluation experience, and maybe that is enough, right? I guess you don't know it sometimes until you're there. You just there. don't see that happen very often, though, where people go from coach to GM. I mean, Pat Riley. Pat Riley, Danny Ainge, Larry Bird all did it. I yeah. know that. Um, it's hard to come up with. Uh, it's interesting. They're all players, right? Players, then coaches, then GM. Phil Jackson, too. Phil, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. I'm sure there are others, right? There's yeah. got to be others. But it, it is pretty rare, ultimately. Usually, Especially nowadays, you're going to see teams like sort of groom somebody and then ultimately have them like be their salary cap guy for a while or whatever, or their main head of player personnel or main scout, and then ultimately they become the GM. Right. I feel like it's a mistake to have... That's not... Like, if you're... Did you ever play The Sims, Jonathan, or you, you, that was a bit have, past your era? I played it, but not much. Okay, so like, in, for those of you who remember, uh, The Sims, you, that game, you create a fake human that's very creepy. It's in the Uncanny Valley. and Very much. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But you, you pick a career path, basically, and each little, there's like steps towards like the best, most high-paying job in that career path, whatever it may be, lawyer, athlete, whatever it is. I don't think that GM and coach are on the same career path. I, they're in the same sport, but I don't think they belong on the same career path. I mean, I hear you, and it doesn't sound crazy, but Pat Riley, very successful. Larry yeah. Bird, pretty damn successful. Danny Ainge, very successful. Right. I just think that it's very different things. Like, just taking Haral Bob as an example, who we mentioned earlier on this podcast, 
he's an extremely analytics-based guy who has thoughts about the way people should play and the way teams should be constructed, right? And I feel like that's the type of mind you need for a GM, whereas he probably wouldn't be a very good coach because there's a lot of aspects that Bob doesn't take into account that are coaching-related aspects sure. that just have to do with player motivation and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think th- those are what Phil Jackson's really good at. By the way, not the necessarily the analytics and the player evaluation. All he wants to do is say, run the fucking triangle offense. I don't know. That's good enough. Right. To be clear, let's list some of Phil Jackson's clear failings so far. Okay. One thing is his insistence on running a particular offense regardless of his personnel. Yeah. That is insane. Yes. Like what is going on in the world that you should never do that in the NBA where you, only, where you have whoever your star is, you have to build your offense around their offensive skills. He, no, the, the triangle is greater than any one player. I mean, that's, I mean, in fairness, Phil took it from Chicago to the Lakers and won titles in both cities, right? Yeah. With different personnel and different kinds of personnel even. Yeah. Like having, winning with Shaq and winning with Jordan it's kind of crazy with the same offensive system, but I yeah. guess their players were so overwhelming. I mean, good. those players, Shaq is maybe the most dominant player since Will Chamberlain, and he, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Yeah, those guys were good. Yeah. Um, but as you and I actually talked about yesterday, Phil took over teams that had those, both those teams, the Bulls and the Lakers, had other coaches who were not able to be very successful with the same personnel. Right. Phil comes in and immediately everyone starts winning titles. Right. Multiple which, titles. Which is. So there's something going on. That actually on there. makes my point. Yeah, for sure. Me. No, but, I know. Yeah. Which I'm is, not disagreeing yeah, with your point. That the GM puts the personnel together and he comes in and knows how to use the personnel as the coach and motivate them properly to run the system that he right. wants to run. That's not his job as the GM. His job as the GM is to put the personnel together and let the coach run it. Right. So, so coming back to Phil Jackson's failings as a yeah. GM, this to me is. The top two, anyway, is a top, a top two one is this insistence on running the triangle offense no matter what. Yeah. And also, by the way, Phil is sort of um, derogatorily amused by anyone who suggests that the triangle is a bad idea right. for the Knicks. Like, well, I'm sure they've won a lot of titles. I'm sure they would know, and I wouldn't. Yeah. And it's possible, by the way, Phil is right. Yeah. In fairness. But it doesn't look like he it. He still didn't put the right people on the floor then. Right. Well, and this is what I'm getting to. This is yeah. the other major thing. So he drafted Porzingis. That's good. That worked out really well. It's possible it was just lucky. That Pro- it was probably lucky. Yeah. But that's okay. Like, you're allowed to be lucky. I mean, I got to imagine if Okafor was there at four, Phil would have taken Okafor. Right. Like, a lot of people kill Sam Hinkie a little bit for not taking Porzingis at three. But no one in the world would have done that. Yeah. Right, everyone had Okafor ahead of him. This was the next. This was, this was the next high upside guy. Yeah, Phil took him. Good for him. Like he right. didn't have to. He did. That's cool. So Porzingis was a huge positive. Right. However, Joe Kim Noah, who he signed this year, is signed for three more seasons at seventeen eight, eighteen five, and nineteen three. Joe Kim Noah Jeez. is useless. Yeah. Courtney Lee. Yeah. Is signed for three more seasons. At 11-8, 12-2, and 12-8. That's not good. That is horrible. Lance Thomas? Yeah. Do you know who Lance Thomas yeah. is? Yeah. He's okay, right? This is not so bad. He signed for three more seasons, though. So, again, guys are yeah. just taking up your salary cap. 6.6, 7.1, 7.6. In today's NBA, those numbers yeah. aren't nearly as bad. But they're taking up space. You got Porzingis signed for three more years. Obviously, whatever That's you're paying good. him is fine. And there's no one else who's really taking up a lot of Derek space. Rose? Oh, Derrick Rose is a free agent after this year. Yeah. I assume they're not resigning him. Right. They tried to get rid of him. Right. Well, they actually apparently, according to uh, Twitter today, Bill Simmons was saying that Phil Jackson turned down the Rubio for Rose swap. Well, that was a fuck up. I actually have some numbers on that. Okay. Yeah. So I know this is a small sample size, but I don't give a shit. It's still fun to do. There you go. Because I kind of don't like Derrick Rose being a Chicago Bulls fan from birth. I know I'm a, I talk about being a Blazers fan because I've lived in Portland for 12 years. But so... Derrick Rose, since for the past 10 games, all right? Derrick Rose, who's age 28, by the way, 
19 points, four assists, three rebounds, half a steal. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Good scoring, but everything else, like four assists as a point guard, that's not good. That's problematic as a point guard. All right. Ricky Rubio, last 10 games, age 26, by the way, two years younger. 20 points, 10 assists, four rebounds, one and a half steals. I mean, that's way better. Yeah. But if we look at their season-long numbers, what are Rubio's season-long numbers? They're like a lot of assists and no points in bad shooting, right? I mean, he's had a really good stretch. Right. An out-of-his-mind stretch. Derrick Rose continues to be Derrick Rose. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're sort of just playing yeah, fun with just, sample size, yeah. right? Fun with like... <laughs> yeah, cherry picking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that's what's going on. It, I think it's unfair to kill Phil Jackson for not making that trade. By the way, Rubio, I think, is a free agent at the end of this year anyway. Ah, so right. I don't know that Rubio's sticking around. Do you really want to invest a lot of money, even in Rubio as your point guard? There's so many good point guards in the league. Can't you do better, ultimately? Or if you can't, shouldn't you wait to do better? Maybe so. I'm wondering. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's not terrible that he traded for Derrick Rose. To me, the, the biggest mistake of all these things is the Joe Kim Noah signing. And it's not just because the contract is horrific and Joe Kim has nothing left. Yeah. It's not because of that. It's because it blocks Porzingis from playing center. Yeah, that's true. Which is the real problem. The value of Porzingis, yes, he's good anyway, and yes, he's young anyway. But the true value of him is that you can play him at center, and you have a unicorn center, and there's almost none of those guys around. Seven foot three, and he can shoot the top of the arc three. No problem. Like, yeah. Easily. Easily. Right. Rebound, block shots. He can do all these things for you, yeah. and he's young as heck. You can build around that guy as a unicorn center. And instead, Phil went the traditional route. And instead now has freaking Joakim Noah just taking up space right now on the field, on the field, on the court. But so, at some point, it'll be, he'll be on the bench. I'm not sure who's going to start at center for them. But now, now also eating into their salary cap in a way for the next three years. And it's going to yeah. be tough to get out of that deal. No one wants that guy. No, nobody's going to trade for him at that salary cap, right? I mean, unless if they do, they're trading you a problem back that they don't want. And it's the right. same salary issue. Yeah. Almost certainly. Maybe you give up a first-round pick to get rid of him, but do you really want to do that? You're the Knicks. You don't have enough to do that. No. What and are you your first-round picks are going to be good for a while. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense either. It's all bad. And so Phil's kind of ruined things that way. They have one other legitimate sort of exciting player, and that's Willie Hernan Gomez, who they took yeah. 35th overall. It's a W, year. but I actually think you say Billy. Seriously? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, it's Hernan Gomez. Yeah. Um, He has been... He he doesn't play that much yet for them, but the last 10 games, he's played, I think, 23 and a half minutes, get nine and a half rebounds, 11 and a half points on 50% shooting. The rebounding number is amazing. Yeah. He's very young. He's strong. He's he's got some promise. Yeah, that's a nice thing to have, although he's going to be blocking Porzingis' path to center as well. It's possible that his... Ultimately, he's a backup anywhere, like a rotation player and not a starter. I mean, he should start eventually if he's going to put up those permanent numbers. I mean, this is just the last 10 games again there, yeah. Rubio. Like, we'll see. We'll yeah. see how it ultimately plays right. out. But you're right. I mean, if he can rebound that well and score that well, he should be starting. But even the other thing is this. Even if you were going to start Hernan Gomez, let's say, at the center position, which I think you'd have to because yeah. he, he, can't, he can't stretch the floor or anything. No. And we start Porzingis. Maybe Hernan Gomez plays like 25 minutes a game and you... you um, Stack them so that way mostly Porzingis is actually at center. Right. And you maybe can, the first six minutes of the game and the last four minutes of the game he isn't. But the, the other 25 minutes of the game, Porzingis is playing center. Yeah, that would make sense. But the thing is this. Those are kind of their only youthful or good assets that they have on this team. Yeah. Like they have Carmelo in his horrific deal. And he's not really going to get any better, that's by for the, sure. By the way, he's got two more years on that deal at 26 and $28 million. Yikes. I mean, good for Carmelo, right? Yeah. But what the heck? Like, good luck moving that deal. Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you trade that? Right. They had an opportunity. They tried to get Kevin Love for him at the trade deadline. 
And they tried to do that. They also tried to trade him to the Clippers at one point for just stuff, yeah. like a bunch of stuff to get out of the deal. That was a good try. Yeah. If they had pulled that off, that'd be cool. It is a little unfair, though, to kill Phil entirely. One, he's in a New York market where I think the owner kind of demands that they never tank or like right. hit all the way to the bottom and then come back up. So it's harder to... You're supposed to be trying to make the playoffs every year. Yeah. So that sort of messes up... Every, this screwed up Isaiah Thomas. Now, that guy's terrible at GMing anyway. Sure. But the Knicks have always done it this way. They've Except when... Um, Donnie Walsh was there for a few years. He actually cleared out the salary cap. He decided they would get really bad and make a play for LeBron, which did not work out. That was when LeBron went to yeah. Miami. But besides that, like, here we are. Like, Phil inherited a terrible team with very few assets. He did get Porzingis probably luckily. Yeah. I don't think he knew even now really knows what he has. And that's it. I guess he got I guess he had on Hernan Gomez too, it looks like. Yeah. So that's that's two players. Right. But all right, ultimate question. Do you do you agree with Scottie Pippen? Yes. Me too. Yes, the guy's demanding that they play the triangle, and he signed um, he signed Noah to block Porzingis. Those are fireable offenses. And he hired Jeff Hornacek for some reason. That could be okay. It could be. I mean, look, Steve Kerr is, was coach of the year last year, and he almost took the Knicks job. He would probably not be working right now if he took the Knicks job. Derek Fisher isn't working. Yeah. You know, Steve Kerr got super lucky. The Warriors were interested suddenly, and like, and he chose them over Derek the Fisher's Knicks. on TNT, man. Is he really? Yeah. So, well, at least players last, only? Last night he well, no, it wasn't even players <laughs> only, which is horrible. But last night he was. All right. Well, good for yeah. Derek Fisher. Yeah. D. Fish. I mean, he made a lot of money mm-hmm. being a bad coach in New York. Yeah. I don't know if he's a bad coach, actually. Yeah, who knows? The team was terrible. There's not much you can do when the team's terrible. Right. All right. Anything else we want to say about this? No. I mean, it's a bad legacy for Phil Jackson. It kind of sucks for a guy who won 11 championships. This is likely to be his last NBA professional job. Considering his age and everything, this is true. But like, this doesn't come up in his obituary till like the third paragraph. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's like, true. Paragraph number one is he was the coach of the Bulls. Paragraph number two is he was the coach of the Lakers. Actually, paragraph number three is he won a title as an as a player. Paragraph right. four is he failed as a GM for a little bit, like a lot of other players. Do. Yeah, like Bill enough. Russell was the GM of the Sacramento Kings. No one ever talks about that, and it was awful. <laughs> uh, fair you enough. Know what I mean, like it just yeah. Yeah, just people don't remember that stuff ultimately. So All it's right. not a bad thing. Okay. All right. Why don't we take a f- one final break? We'll come back, do a little LTGFI. We're finally here. We made it. We crested the pinnacle. We can see the end. The end is in sight. It's let the grand fix it. Something about the way you just said crested was creepy. Was it? I don't know what it was. I was going for just that. Like, crested. It crested the pinnacle. I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. You think like if you searched my internet history it would have a lot of things that would get me arrested, right? With the way you said crested? Yeah. 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 Like bad things. That's, <laughs> those are the things that get you arrested usually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So um for anyone who doesn't remember or is new to the show or anything, this is the part of the show where I pose a sports dilemma to Grant. He does his best to fix it, sometimes with my help. Yeah. He used to be drunk when we did this. Currently, he is drinking only water, but he yeah. still comes up with fun and creative solutions. Sometimes he's a little more resistant. we got to push him a little harder, but that's okay. He'll be fine. It's all part of the process, man. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we love it. We love it either it's way. It's like Sam Hinkie. Got to trust the process. <laughs> exactly. He's been fired, though. Yeah. He's, yes. he's, out, of, he's out of a job. We're going to get a new fixer right. next week. It's not gonna, <laughs> that's won't right. Be me anymore. That's right. We, you know what? Hashtag it LT question mark FI. Send in your new suggestions <laughs> for the fixer. Yeah, I love it. Whoever the fixer, that may be, the fixer is kind of a great name for a show. I think there was a show called the fixer. Well, there should be a new show called the fixer, and we should be in it. Okay. All right. So let's get into it, though. You ready for? Oh, by the way, of course, if you have a suggestion for LTGFI, you can send us a tweet at the Sportnado. That's N A D O, the Sportnado. Yes. Like a tornado or a sharknado, and uh, hashtag it LTGFI. Here Do we that. go. Do that. 
Grant Dennison. That's me. Gino Ariyama. Yes. Was just awarded another Coach of the Year award by the USBWA, which is the U.S. Women's Basketball Association. Uh-huh. Right. The UConn women have now won 111 straight games. That's ridiculous. Yes, it's ridiculous. They are playing, um, let's see here, the Mississippi State Bulldogs in the Final Four. And last year, they played the same Mississippi State Bulldogs and beat them by 60. In the tournament so far this year, they've won by 61, 30, 15, and 38 so far. Those they're, are, of course, 36-0. Num- those are good numbers. They've won four straight national titles. They're going for their fifth. They're the overwhelming favorite to win yet again, not surprisingly. They have, of course, all the best talent, what is almost certainly the best coach, everything you would ever want, basically. And I'm sure, I haven't looked, but I'm sure another incredible recruiting class coming in as well. Yeah. This is a juggernaut that is kind of, we've never, we haven't seen a juggernaut like this in college basketball since the UCLA teams back in the, the John Wooden UCLA teams, where I think they won right. 10 out of 11 or 11 in a row, something crazy like that. And they were saying that the UCLA junior varsity team could beat every other team in the league, oh, sorry, really? in, in the country. I yeah, know that's because freshmen couldn't play. Right. So oh, like Kareem gotcha. Abdul-Jabbar was just like, couldn't, wasn't allowed to play for a year, stuff like that. So yeah. All right. So you are the NCAA. I know you don't like them, but right now you are them. How do you fix this problem to make women's college basketball a little bit more competitive, for crying out loud? All right, so as I often do, let's try to get to the root of the problem Yeah, here and help me out here. So when you were saying all that, I was trying to imagine what could be the reason that a team could be so crazy dominant. And the first thought is that most schools don't see it as a profitable venture to put a lot of money into women's basketball. Correct. And therefore, they don't have like a strong recruiting push. They don't really try to supplant UConn. They just kind of accept that UConn is the best team. Whereas in men's college basketball, where there's a ton of money, all of the big schools see it as a huge opportunity for a lot of money and a lot of donations and investments and stuff like that. Absolutely. So problem is just that UConn puts a lot of money into it. They're like, we're the best. Maybe they don't even put money into it anymore. I don't know. Well, I know that when Jim Calhoun was still the coach of the Huskies and both teams had won the national title the same year, and they were both, the women had been good forever at that point, but um, they were both getting paid the same amount of money. They were both getting paid like $2 million bucks a year, and I can't imagine anyone else in college gets paid anything close to that to coach women's basketball. Right. And it's just because it's not as watched as men's basketball, and there's not as many benefits to the college for having a good women's team, right? Right, right, basically. So, one, okay, fix number one. All right. We take away men's basketball for five years. Yes. There's no men's college basketball for five years. What are you going to do now, fans? Yeah, now you got to watch the women's college basketball. All of a sudden, it becomes profitable. The other teams are going to have to get better because they'll put their resources from the men's teams into the women's teams, and it'll, there'll be parity again. Okay, that's a really cool solution. Here's my only question with that. All right. Is it true that the fans would actually watch more women's college basketball? Or would they just watch more football, NBA, um, other sports? There's a lot of other college sports they could follow. They could follow college baseball. They could follow regular baseball. There's what, hockey. Well, not all of them would be converted. I got to believe that there, if there was huge college basketball fans who only watch men's college basketball and this I'm happened, sure there are. Yeah. There, a, a decent amount of them would start watching the women's college basketball. Part of the allure of college basketball has to be the college environment and the way the schools are about basketball because yeah. if you're really trying to watch the best players in the world, there's no point. You know, Like I said in last week, the NBA clearly has the best players in the world. Yeah. College does not. That's just how it is. So 
because of all of the kind of allure of the college factor, and that's the only way to watch college basketball now, I think it would actually create some people, some converts. It would have to create some. I don't know if it would create enough to, like— bring a lot more money in, but it would be enough more money that maybe other teams could do well. One of the problems is UConn could also, you know, be the beneficiary of that because they already have the best team and now they have no competition from their men's college basketball team themselves. Well, sure, but I don't, I think clearly the net gain would be for the other colleges in that situation because even if UConn puts more money into it, now programs that were putting essentially nothing into it are putting a bunch of money into it and you have people actively trying to recruit away from UConn. Yeah. I mean, also, like, what is UConn supposed to do? Win 150 games in a row? They've won 111 in a row anyway. Like, it's hard. There's only marginal benefit for them, it would seem. Although, you know, Durant joined the Warriors, so who can really say? But but it seems like it's it's hard for them to get significantly better, even given them more resources. Does UConn, does the UConn women's team produce like three of the top five picks every year in the WNBA draft or I something? Think, I think it's something like that. That's I don't know. crazy. They, they're, well, one of the things that they have, which is different, is they all stay for four years. So Gino Ariema gets the best player in the country, which I think la- the last four years it was Brianna Stewart, who was like a center on uh-huh. UConn. Yeah. And she was, I think even as a freshman, like an All-American, and the last two or three years just the dominant player in college. And they, so they just have her. Yeah. You know, it's like the pros. It's like the NBA, right. you know, where you just get to keep your players yeah. instead of co- men's college basketball where they leave immediately. Yeah. Like that just doesn't happen. Right. So you get the fruits of your labor you know, in a completely different way. It, while it is still about recruiting clearly, it's also about, you know, getting to develop people and develop the team around them, and then they stay. It's All right. cool. Well, here's another thing the NCAA could do. Another financial incentive. Okay. Uh, they put out a bounty on UConn, essentially. They mm. say, if your team beats UConn, you get a million dollars. Okay. Your program gets a million dollars. Oh, so then the program themselves would be like, well, we can spend a little bit more money yeah. recruiting. Not a lot more money if it's only a million bucks, honestly. You just but a little have, bit more money. You, you just have to beat them in one game. You get a million dollars. Right. I understand. What happens if UConn has, what happens if like the Brianna Stewart's of the world like breaks her knee and UConn loses a bunch of games? I guess the NCAA can afford to pay out $15 yeah. million. Dollars anyway, yeah. They right? cheat everybody and have all the money. So they have plenty. <laughs> yeah. They're fine. Yeah. That's true. Okay. But the problem is, okay. So you have the potential of winning a million bucks. So you have to have UConn on your schedule. Number one. Maybe we make it $10 million. There we go. Now we can start to spend like yeah. real money on recruiting. Right. right. Now I can spend $400,000 and feel it's justified if yeah. they're on my schedule. Right. right. Then everyone will be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like it's worth $10 million. The problem for the NCAA is now they may have to pay out you know, $300 million if UConn has a really bad season. Well, so what? It's unlikely to happen for yeah. a while. And maybe they, what they do is they say, we, okay, we pay out $10 million if anyone beats UConn. But if UConn goes undefeated, we give them $40 million or something like yeah. that. The problem is this is starting to get away from that whole amateur thing <laughs> a little bit. Well, it already is. I know. But it, the, there would be some... The players don't get some, paid. Some, well, they should definitely give the players some of that I money. know, but we, we are the NCAA, and we fucking hate the players yeah, for some reason. Right. We're trying to make the game more competitive and interesting. Yeah. This actually brings up a second question I wonder about, which is, is it actually better for the NCAA to have one dominant team or not? Like, no one followed women's college basketball before, and no one's really following it now except the people who are really into it either way, right? Are people more interested because UConn is so dominant or less interested? Well, I think there's – you can't really answer that question in a blanket sense for all sports sports in all ways. I think it really depends on the popularity of the sport. I think you said a key thing there. You said the only reason people are interested in women's college basketball for the most part is because UConn is so dominant. Like they created a lot more interest in college basketball for women's college basketball, right? I think so. I mean, if someone beats them, 
Especially if like an under, a major underdog beats him, that would be pretty amazing. And that right. would be like Mike Tyson losing to Buster Douglas. But yeah. then that would be it. It'd be a moment in time, and then everyone would forget about it. Right. So I don't know if maybe it's better for a sport like women's college basketball, which wasn't that popular to start with. But it, for men's college basketball, which is immensely popular, I think it would be bad because it's popular anyway. And then it just takes away a lot of the mystery of it. Like most NBA fans are upset the Warriors are so good, right? That is true. However, the NBA, since the Heat joined together, and we've really had super teams ever since, yeah, um, has enjoyed its a ratings bonanza. It's been better That's for true. the NBA. To, it's always better for the NBA viewership wise to have super teams. So you think if Duke won fifteen years in a row in the men's NCAA, that would be good? That feels like too much. I think that would five be five years in a row. Even five feels like a little too much. But maybe if Duke won something like three out of four or even two out of four made the final four the other two years, was sort of this Goliath. Two out of four is way different than what UConn's doing. I know, but it's men's college basketball. It's much harder. I know, but we're trying to create a perfect analogy here, Okay. Right? Yeah, I know. You're right. You're right. If they won four in a row, I mean, it would make their tournament games very interesting anytime it was close, right? Yeah. I'd want to watch it anytime. And actually, even UConn women now, like, so I grew up in Connecticut, so right. I, like, have a tiny association with them. I remember the first time they won and stuff like that, what a big deal it was in Connecticut, which was, I mean, it was sort of a deal. Yeah. It's not overstated too much. And, uh, like, I don't watch their tournament games or anything like that, but if I, I'll, like, sort of keep an eye on it, you know, and I'll see, like, oh, they're only up by four. They're only up by seven. Or for them, they're only up by 12. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, maybe I should actually watch. They could, this could actually be interesting. You know? right. And then, then you watch for a little bit, and then they're up by 26, and no one ever comes back. I actually remember when they were in one of their other massive runs, not this one, like nine or 10 years ago, they were beating someone in like the, the Elite Eight by like 35 points or something, and they were the best team in the country anyway. Of course. Right? They were crushing them. And the other team went on some crazy run and like hit a three with like six minutes to go. And the, the commentary said, and they've cut it to 18. And we're <laughs> thinking like, what? Are you, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. it is not exciting to be down by 18 with six minutes to go against the best team in the country. You always right. lose, right? I mean, in the end, it's a ridiculous question, yeah. right, that, to, to ask that. I think you, we have to say that it's better for most sports if there's parity, if there's more good teams. Like, I prefer that. If there's a sport that's well-watched and a lot of people love it, isn't it so much better for the championship to be between two teams that both have great superstars and we're like, this could go either way because these teams are both great and we expect amazing things out of both teams? Like the NFL. Yeah. Like, you know, you never have a team that runs roughshod over the league for 15 years in the NFL. Shut the fuck up. What? I'm just speaking words. <laughs> Let's go Patriots. <laughs> I fucking hate you. I know. Yeah. I know. But, so bad. But, but but even with the Patriots actually being what I think in any, by any definition be dominant over these last 15 years, and they've been incredible, there have been many more champions who are not the Patriots right. than the Patriots. They've won, what, five, right? Yeah. So, like, that's good. That's really, really good. But it's still five in 15 years or 16 years or whatever it ultimately is. And they never won 111 in a row. That's for they, sure. And they will not. Yeah. Right. That will not happen. And I mean, this is, this is a level of dominance. We just don't ever see. It's too much. I think it is. I think it's too much. So, so what you're coming up with are perfectly fine ways to try and deal with this, but they're sort of long-term solutions, right? Like, like let's give bonuses. So that way eventually, or let's stop men's college basketball. I think so that's a few the better. years from now, that's the better one. The, the recruiting, I like no, I really like that. Yeah. So like, but that means like in year three of that, maybe some of the recruiting stuff will start to pay off. Yeah. And maybe you'll finally have a good team. So it's way, way, way down the the road though. You kind of maybe working on their eighth title by then. Right. What can we do so that way we can arrest this a lot quicker? It's real easy. Okay. The women of UConn have to wear ten pound shoes when they play. Oh, it's like Harrison Bergeron. 
Yes. You know what that is? That sounds familiar, but I can't remember now. Kurt Vonnegut's opening story in Welcome to the Monkey House, where yes. every, it's a yeah. science fiction future dystopian, of course, where everyone is forced to be equal. So if you're good looking, you're forced to wear a mask. If you're athletic, you're forced to wear weights yeah. and all these things. And yeah, everyone is anything you're good. If you're smart, you have this, this, um, like hearing aid that like makes a really loud jangling noise every 20 seconds. So, so you can't ever really concentrate stuff like that. That's what we'd be doing to the Yukon women. Right. Maybe, maybe 20 pound weights isn't enough. Maybe we also need that, that jangling noise thing for all of us. So <laughs> maybe for the pads, it's like, ah, they like big feedback sound. That's a 10 pound. And oh. reality, come on. If they had to wear 10 pound shoes, that would be enough. Come on. 10 pound shoes. Well, here's my question. How much time do they have to practice in these 10 pound shoes? As much as they want. If they have all season, they probably won't win the title, but they're going to have a winning record. <laughs> probably. They are. They're so much better than everyone else. Yeah. Like, if you're a post-up player, maybe you just, like, you're, the, you're not great on offense. Maybe you just stay on the defensive end the whole time. You don't run. <laughs> yeah. You just stay there. You get rebounds. You block shots. Maybe you actually play four and five on both, on both ways. You know, like, one big person for offense, one big person for defense, and three people have to, like, run back and forth who are, like, wing-type players. You know, and you're really good at passing. I would love to see Gino deal with that. 10 pound weights. <laughs> And if they're still winning, then we give them the jangling noise. Yeah. The, the feedback-y, really loud noise. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be great. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> I'll talk to my NCAA people. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, if they had to put them on... The thing is this. If you just introduced it right now as they're going to the Final Four, they would almost certainly lose, right? Their bodies aren't yeah. ready for that. But, you know, you give them a whole off-season No, we got to work we gotta give it. them an off-season. An off-season. I think they're going to do pretty we're well. We're trying to be fair here. They're going to win a lot we're of games. We're the NCAA. We're always fair, except to the players. They might make the Final Four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they can win, but they might make the Final Four. I don't four. know about that. They did have uh, two games this year that were decided by less than 10 points. One was a three-point victory over Stanford, and one was like a nine-point victory over, I can't remember who, someone else. Someone good. Yeah. Neither of those teams are left, though. No. Baylor. It was Baylor. Um so, yeah. So that's like, so they did have to sweat a little bit. I do wonder, thinking back to men's college basketball, UNLV, this is before your time, I mm. guess, when Larry Johnson was on the team, Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt, all those guys, yeah. they were spectacular. And they were undefeated coming into the Final Four and the overwhelming favorite to win. And Duke played them with, with Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill and Christian Leitner and yeah. all those guys. It was actually the game after Christian Leitner made the shot against mm-hmm. Kentucky. And, uh, and they beat him. And part of the thinking was that they, it was a tight game the whole way. It was great. That UNLV had never really played a close game all season. Like they never had, they were never in these spots where what do you do when you're down by one with 20 seconds left? They've never had to deal with that or, or even up by one. Like, you know, they don't know what they're doing in that spot. And, and the re, you know, not to say they didn't have practice time, but still, they didn't have any game time experience. And it, I don't know if it actually hurt them or not, but there was at least a theories out there that it hurt them. UConn's played a few close games, but they haven't been probably even losing with a few minutes left, maybe in years. Well, I don't see it happening without the 10-pound weights. <laughs> yeah, 10-pound weights. Maybe we could also do things like, oh, this is an interesting idea to sort of add to that. What if you did things like, okay, this is not to be painful or anything like that. So you do, you like knock them out. I don't mean physically. I mean like with like a sedative. Right? Okay. And you amputate from like the elbow down. Okay. No, this is fine. And you give them different kinds of arms that you have just weird... Said this is fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. This is totally no good and fine, and it's okay to do this to people. Weird implements. So, like... You know, right now, so you have, like, a scissors hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's really hard to, like, shoot and dribble and stuff like that. That would be another way to deal with it. So, if someone has a scissors hand, someone just has, like, a ball, right? <laughs> like, so, you have to, like, to shoot, you have to, like, bounce the basketball off your own ball hand or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. Is that kind of like what happened in Space Jam? All the monsters have, like special abilities i don't know i never saw space jam oh. 
It's a Did great you? acting performance from Michael Jordan. I mean, they're talking about making another one, you know. Yeah, with LeBron. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. I, I'd see the shit out of that. Of course you would. Charlie's Theron, LeBron. It'd be incredible. Katie Holmes. <laughs> Outrageous. Katie, Katie Holmes, yeah. Katie Holmes as one of the monsters. Okay. Okay. Cool. Just making a joke. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Anything else you want to say about this? So no. We, I feel like we're done. Yeah, right? we're done. Okay. So the, the solution is pretty clearly chop off their arms, put other kinds of cool things on there, like a rector set type stuff, and uh, go from there. Yeah, you're yeah, you're a genius. <laughs> Mad scientist. <laughs> Whatever's going to work. Okay. Thanks for listening to Sportnado. We'll see you next Friday with another show.